There and Back Again, A Deacon's Tale. Today we're joined by Deacon Dave Edders and his wife Marcia as they recount their journey in and out and in again to the Catholic faith. Welcome to A Word from Our Outpost with Joseph and Crystal Gruber, a podcast for Catholic disciples who are wrestling to be missionary-minded in their normal, everyday lives. Okay. Deacon Dave, would you pray us in? Sure. Even Father, in the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. 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 O God, you formed our inmost being. You knit us together in our mother's wombs. We praise you because we have been wonderfully made, and wonderful are your works. Our bones are not hidden from you, and when we were being made in secret, fashioned in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw us unformed. In your book all are written down. Our days were shaped before one came to be. O God, we ask your guidance, and we ask your uh, blessing upon our, uh, our conversation, our dialogue about your work in our lives this evening. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So are you going to take over the host position? or? Sure. Let's do it. So we've got Deacon Dave and Marsha Edders with us this evening. And they're going to tell us a little bit about their journey. And hopefully we can learn things about our Lord and the goodness of his works. Would you mind sharing us? A bit of your story. Right now they're pointing at each other. (laughs) (laughs) I think rock, paper, scissors is the usual way to decide things. All right. Okay. Rock. uh, Nope. I'd be happy to to begin here. Um, uh, My my background um, was such that I I was raised Lutheran, and I I really didn't uh, have a, a real consistent um, attendance at church and, and, uh, catechism or Sunday school, you know, as we, in the Lutheran church, we call it. But, uh, there, there was enough there that, uh, that, um, I, I got some of the general ideas, you know, the commandments, the, the creeds and things of that nature. But it really wasn't important to me. Um, uh, when I came of age as a teenager, uh, was right at the time that the Beatles and the British invasion struck the United States, and um, and I was caught up with this uh, uh, with music and with the power, the electrifying power of music, uh, and and what it meant. I mean, you know, I saw girls chasing after these mop-headed musicians, and I thought this this is for me. You know, mm-hmm. this is really for me. You know, they they were wealthy. <laughs> And they were popular, and people loved them, and and uh, it was just an exciting thing. It was a youthful thing. Well, <clears throat> fast forward through about five years of uh, uh, doing rock and roll instead of high school or middle school, even in high school, and I get to the end of uh, out of high school and um, uh, basically crashed uh, through the experiences of the time. You get into um, things like substances, and uh, I don't want to get into any details, but but my life crashed and burned when I was 18 years old at the summer after high school. And I had a fundamental conversion uh, where I um, came home after a really bad, bad experience and uh, despaired of life itself and uh, went to bed asking God for purpose. I, I didn't even know 
who to pray. I said, God, if you're there, please do something. You know, change my life. Show me that there's something in life that's worth living. And I woke up the next day, uh, and it was a sunny October day, and I'll never forget that beautiful sunshine coming in my bedroom window. There's a line from Joni Mitchell, who I, I was just in love with, the folk singer Joni Mitchell. She was cool. She had jeans, she had long, strawberry blonde hair. She could play the guitar, and she sang like an angel. She was at Woodstock, and she was just really amazing. And Marcia, I told her about that. I confessed recently, you know, my, my, my adolescent aspirations there. But the, the funny thing about it was she had this one song that's called Chelsea Morning. And Chelsea, of course, is referring to that area in Manhattan where all the hippies in Greenwich Village hung out. And uh, she says, woke up, it was a Chelsea morning, and the first thing that I saw, you know, and then she talked about the sun. She says, the sun came in like butterscotch mm-hmm. and stuck to all my senses. It was a Chelsea morning. And that's the, the sense that I had, uh, a sense of peace and a sense of the beauty of this world. And um, it, I hadn't ever felt that way before. And so I knew something had happened inside uh, as an 18-year-old. I knew something had happened, and, and I was different. But I didn't know what it was. And, <clears throat> and of course, one of the definitions of theology is faith-seeking understanding. And I had some seed of faith or belief in God in me, but it needed to be formed. It needed to be fed. It needed to be watered and nurtured. And so I began to just strike out. Uh, I remember getting a, a copy of the, the modern English, uh, the good news for modern man, New Testament and paperback and reading through that and identifying with, with, uh, with uh, the teachings of, of Jesus and, uh, and the faith. And, and that was the beginning. That's how it all, all started. Awesome. Marsha, do you want to jump in here? Sure. <laughs> Um, it was after high school for me, too, that uh, the Lord became real. I was raised in um, parochial school for eight years, and um, for some reason, I all I remember is I just wanted to be social. So I don't know if they didn't teach me or if I just didn't learn. <laughs> I just didn't listen. I was too caught up in being social. Uh, mm-hmm. The things that I learned at parochial, Catholic parochial mm-hmm. school that I re, that do stick with me are one, that you can't get to heaven if there's any sin on your soul. Mm-hmm. I remember a nun saying that. And thank heavens that's broadened a little bit more as far as God's mercy and um, getting rid of attachments, not necessarily the whole business of being afraid. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then um, the other thing that... Uh, that I remember that I uh, learned in parochial school as we went away for retreats, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade for weekends, our whole classes are, you know, they were small, like fifth and sixth were in one room and seventh and eighth were in another room. So it'd be like 12 of us that would would go away for these retreats to this um, place in Northern Michigan. And um, they were just so, um, you know, just such a beautiful experience, every one of them, you know, bonding and, you know, and I, I didn't know that was God <laughs> until I look back later. And there were, it was in a, um, a, 
a cloistered um, retreat center. Mm. So the whole, you know, the nuns would be praying for us all weekend. And so that came back to me later on that that, that was um, a very important um, piece of how I came to know the Lord. And and, and it's just an important piece, how prayer is. So um, anyway, so moving on, I had a little, I, I just kind of went through my life. Um, oh, how do I want to say Went to church all the time, even played guitar mass, because that was pretty, you know, pretty uh, popular at the time, late 60s, early 70s, and, um, but it wasn't that important to me, and I had a, uh, oh, a, a crisis after my um, high school of, like, kind of like, where am I going, what am I doing, had a relationship that wasn't good, and, and uh, I had my sister became a Baptist, and they were speaking to me, my sister and brother-in-law, about about the Lord and how I got to get the Lord in my life. And and they were making a lot of sense. You know, mm-hmm. they were tying a lot of things together that I that I knew because, you know, you hear it. You're in Mass, you hear it, especially if you're in parochial school every week, every week during Mass and then all the other stuff. Anyways, um, so I just remember one day, Lord, you know, if you're real, please make yourself real to me. If you're, I knew he was real, but, you know, help me. And um, I remember feeling great the whole day. <laughs> but um, unbeknownst to me, the Holy Spirit kept working in me. And he, and like five, six months later, I was able to um, break up with somebody that I never would have broken up with if if the Holy Spirit hadn't have stirred my heart to say, this, this isn't what I have for you. And so um, from then on, um, we just kind of went, there wasn't a whole lot of Catholic uh, catechesis, and I don't know as if I would have been open to it at the time because I was kind of wasn't brought up was brought up in more of a individualistic, you know, you just you know you can you know whatever feels good, kind of if it isn't too immoral, you can do it. And mm-hmm. I, I don't mean that. You, I'm just saying you kind of just feel, <laughs> no pun intended, your way as far as. Um, how to be a Christian, how to be a Catholic, and and those other people that were really, you know, dedicated and um, following the Lord, they would, they seemed pretty weird to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, how can I fit this into my life? Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's good for now, I'll tell you. <laughs> so how did you guys meet each other? And yeah, when did that intersection happen? Well... Uh, fortunately, there wasn't a collision there uh, <laughs> in that intersection. But um, we met at Aquinas College in Grand Rapids. Uh, we um, um, actually, uh, after uh, going, uh, my initial in, in, in experiences that I shared, I became involved uh, in, in the Catholic Charismatic Renewal in a prayer community in Jackson. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a very powerful experience. Uh, the working of the Holy Spirit was very real, and there was a lot of activity, and there was a, a, a major uh, uh, change in, in, in enlivening of my faith. And I felt, because the, it was a Catholic charismatic renewal, I just felt an affinity with, with, the, with the Catholic Church, and I assumed that this was, was home. And so I uh, launched out, you know, and, and became joined the Catholic Church. There was no RCAA back then, and so I was just received into the church mm-hmm. at, uh, and, and just accepted into communion. And so there again, there wasn't much formation that went into that. 
Now, I say that just as a preface to going, I went to Aquinas College, which I was in, hoping to get some of this grounding in, in the faith, you know, because we took, took theology courses. My major was education with music and an English minor. And that's where I met Marcia. The, the what were you doing there, Marcia? <laughs> I was looking for a husband. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> She likes to say that she I, got her MRS degree. You know. I was going to go into special ed, and because I was a Catholic and I had this um, wonderful relationship with a nun at the time, she's the one that kind of nurtured me along. Um, she she actually was a Dominican nun and um, pointed me towards Aquinas, and I you know I just felt it was a small college, and I, I hadn't been to college for two years after my high school. Um, graduation and so it just fit for me and so that's how I ended up there (laughs) and the beautiful thing about it is we met not at a bar we met at a prayer meeting at uh, West Catholic High School and I remember because I was in the music ministry humming and strumming my guitar and we were you know with, with our praise and worship songs and then I noticed this was the beginning of the school year and there was a a whole bunch of young girls that came in to the prayer meeting and and somebody said, there's some new, they're from Aquinas College. I says, oh really? And so I went over and I I met them and I I still remember their names and I I met Marcia and, you know, one thing kind of led to another. We had a little party at the house uh, uh, a few weeks later and and she came over and we got to, to know each other pretty well and and it was going really well. And then uh, one time, until I found out that, uh, well, this was almost a deal breaker because I found out that she liked Neil Diamond. <laughs> but and and I'll, uh, but we we, uh, we we chuckle about that today. But we we really, uh, you know. Do you want to tell them about the book that I had that was a deal breaker? Go. <laughs> I was pretty liberal, as you can imagine, and so um, I had this book about um, um, massages, and I actually don't even know what it was. You told me that it was almost a deal breaker for you when you saw it. It was, you know, like a secular, humanist, um, it just sounded like somewhat spiritual Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. Catholic upbringing that I had had. or not upbringing, but what you my know, understanding. It was kind of a yoga, Miss Eastern uh, thought mixed with uh, candles and massage, and it was you know it was just a little bizarre. And of course, I was crazy back then, <laughs> and I was you know yeah, it was something that I it just completely. I said, no, 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 this this can't work, you know. Yeah, he Neil thought Diamond, I was into, yeah. and I, I probably, I was into it, but not into it. I mean, it was, I thought, oh, that's kind of nice, you know. Intellectually, it'll make me look like a good person. <laughs> <laughs> that was important, being mm-hmm. a good person. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So you meet, you're at Aquinas College, you're both practicing Catholics. And now you're a deacon for the Catholic Church. And you're the wife of a deacon of the Catholic Church, so that so from college to now is probably pretty seamless, right? Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I could have predicted it, you know. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Right, way back then. No, in, in fact, it was uh, it was a it was a rough road uh, because uh, we 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 uh, we got married in the church and uh, we started our family a Catholic right away. Charismatic wedding. Right away, uh, natural family planning, Billings method, 
Uh, we were on board with the, the, we went to classes for that. We learned all about that. Um, then, um, I started teaching in the Catholic school. She was making more money at a grocery store as a clerk than I was full time teaching in, in a Catholic school up there. Taught there a couple of years. And then we had a sense we wanted to get back. We, I had those solid, those really strong relationships here in Jackson with those, with the community, the charismatic mm-hmm. community. So I, was able to uh, investigate and negotiate and, and, and land a position at Loma Christie High School teaching. And that was kind of the dream was to come back, be able to do that, raise our family and experience this Christian community forever. And we were going to have live happily ever after. You know, I mean, it's going to be fine. Since you're teaching at Loma Christie right now, again, seamless transition. Yeah, yeah, it was. Because ironically, <laughs> my entire, almost my entire career was not in education. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I taught eight years a total, six years at Lumen, and uh, then left. But the, there was a lot more to that leaving than just leaving. Uh, there were a number of things that went into that. It's, it's complicated, and uh, there, there, we left the church, and that was the big rub, you know. And we 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 went out to uh, 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 start up churches. We were part of one. Um, and I don't want to mention names and details again because I don't know how important that is, but we spent 20 years in what I call a wilderness. 20 years, and that's a big chunk of life. And um, I remember working at, uh, I was at Aeroquip as a technical writer. I also worked in the automotive industry as a quality engineer and engineering manager, reliability engineering. And um, and I remember that about the t- about the time Things were boiling up. Uh, the uh, The job looked like it was going to fall apart. The, the The business, the industry, was not doing well at the time, and uh, I felt as though my world was falling apart. There, intellectually, it was crumbling with with dissatisfaction at the where we were with church life. It just wasn't in theology. It was just realized how bankrupt it was where we were, and it was like the prodigal, you know, grabbing on the corn husks. The, you know, feed on the swine food. And um, then I, I came back after investigating a number of different things. I came back to Marcia and I said, Marcia, I think God is leading us back to the Catholic Church. And she said, I don't know. <laughs> How can we go back there? They're so dead. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Yeah, but she, she was uh, not open. And so I started going, this was, October of 2003, and I started going to Mass, and I went to St. Mary, uh, and that's where the charismatic prayer meeting met, and there was something there that really connected. I connected with that be- the beauty of that sanctuary, and the, I just connected with it. It felt like a, uh, coming back home in a way. But and you I- have to back up and tell them about Krista. Oh, okay. There's some steps that uh, the Lord... Yeah, that, that's an important step. There's a, that I missed one step. Uh, we have some... In, in fact, we just had... They were down for two days over the Thanksgiving weekend. Bruce, Bruce and Krista are, are dear friends from Grand Rapids. They're faithful Catholics. They've been faithful Catholics their whole life. A beautiful family. Um, way back in that... The, earlier that year, in the year two, 2003... She, they'd been praying for us for a long time, and she said, uh, she got the idea, she brought a big stack of books down, 
all apologetic works, Rome Sweet, Rome, Scott Hahn, uh, there were Surprised by Truth series. Mm-hmm. She brought uh, just a whole stack of uh, apo- uh, apologetic books, Carl Keating, you know, Catholic Answers, all this stuff. And, and there was one book in particular, By Whose Authority, Mark Shea, which decimates Sola Scriptura, that doctrine. And, uh, and I let those books sit there for months. How did you feel when she gave you the, that stack of books? Well, I didn't feel intruded because they're such good friends. Mm-hmm. I trusted them. And I, I, and I, and it wasn't like a, uh, an attempt, just a, a like a, a, a bald, uh, like an attempt at like, the, you get, you got to get converted. You got to come back. Mm-hmm. It was, it, I took it very much as the way it was intended out of love. And it was, uh, and she said, whenever you get a chance, you, you might enjoy reading this. And she said, I knew, and later afterwards, she said, I knew the way to get you was through your head. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was, because there were some obstacles. And uh, still a little thick-headed, I guess. But um, but after I read those, the one book that did it was that, uh, by by what authority? By, uh, by whose authority? By what authority? Mark Shea. And... Um, and then I couldn't turn back. I knew. It was like the light had just opened my mind. It, it, it was like, now you can understand the scriptures the way they're supposed to be understood. You know, Now you can see it through the eyes of the church. Now you can see it through the eyes of the fathers. The patristic, yeah. You know, all this. And then I, I decided at that point, once, that, once I was caught, I was in the boat. I was in the bark of Peter for sure. And once I was in the boat, I said, I've got to, I got to kick the tires. I got to go around. I got to make sure. So I enrolled in an online, uh, master's degree program for theology because I said, if I'm this time, I'm not going to be duped by my idiocy. I'm not going to be duped by what I hear from other people. I'm going to read. I'm going to study and I'm going to prove it. Prove this faith as the best I can with my limited abilities. So you've, you're having this intellectual conversion, yes. and you are diving in. Yeah, and Marsha's heart is saying, "But they're dead." Right. <laughs> Their worship is up, <laughs> and she thrived on the, the the fellowship and the relationships and the in the in the communities. Small that we had. groups. The evangelical uh, groups have such great emotional bonds and friendships and love and service to one another. Great, great experience. Great people. But I had. The truth was still glaring me intellectually, but she wasn't there. And I was going to Mass, and here's what did it, I'll tell you. It's true. Um, <laughs> I, I, I decided to go to St. John one time because I was seeking God. Where do I go? Where do we go? I went to St. Mary's Week time, went to St. John. Well, our neighbor from across the street, our, our boys played ice hockey together. She was there, pretty redhead, you know. And so she saw me kneeling. And, and praying, and, and I, of course, I knew that I didn't go to Eucharist until I was, you know, right, right you know, with the church. And um, so she came over after Mass, and she grabbed my arm, and she was walking with me, escorting me down the aisle, and she said, are you here checking out our music ministry? <laughs> because she knew I was involved in music wherever I had gone. And I said, well, it's more than that. And she had this knowing look in her eye, and she kind of twinkled, and she says, you're coming back, aren't you? 
And, and I, I said, I think so. I think, I really think so. And then I got home and I said, Marsha, I was escorted out of mass today by a really cute redhead. And Marsha said, all right, I'm coming next week. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. She couldn't take that. <laughs> was that, was that really all it took? <laughs> that, that made me go. It kind of just piqued my interest. And then, um, <coughs> I didn't like not doing what he... I didn't like us being separated. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know how long it actually took to get me to um, really appreciate all the gifts that the Catholic Church has, but I remember each unwrapping each one. Like The first one was (gasps) music. It was like, we left because the music was so dry and dead, and why don't they have some new hymns? There were some new songs, and now these old hymns are speaking to me. You know, that was the that was one of the first gifts, and then um, just all of the opportunities to be holy that I didn't see before that I thought were kind of like oh those were old fashioned. You know, like you know, reading about the saints and and laying down your life and 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 the whole cross thing. How did I miss that? <laughs> You know, how did I miss that? You know, that you give up your life, you get it. You, uh, you know, and that's uh, just all those paradoxical things started making sense to me. And, and because it was supported by the faith now, I don't know if it was my maturity or if it was the culture or a combination of, you know, probably a combination of both. I was able to really, um, enter in and um and mm-hmm. now you know we just i just can't believe what we have in the cat the treasure we have in the catholic church yeah. marcia i love that image of unpacking things as you rediscovered them what what was that like for you guys at home like were you being excited were you sad of the time you spent away was it both like were you still mostly unpacking these things individually or would you unwrap one and say hey honey look at this it's called the rosary or whatever mm, good yeah questions well, yeah those are good questions we yeah. asked a bunch of them so yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, the rosary one. that came later for yeah. her and me but uh yeah you know now she prays daily rosary and we go to adoration together whenever we can, and, and she's we, you know regular as re- uh, regularly too. Um, but I think we talked about things. I always uh, shared, you know, when things would come to me. And she... well, I really appreciated when he was going through his master's degree, and he would share papers that he would write or things that he was learning. And um, I really appreciated. I got a lot of uh, catechesis that way. Huh. <laughs> That, interestingly enough, is what I did not do. What a great idea. <laughs> what a great idea. I'll get another one. Yeah. Uh, because well, as I've been going through my master's, I think I would bring things up over the dinner table a little bit. Yeah. And talk about some ideas. But for the most part, I was off in the office, watching classes, yeah. off in the office, writing papers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's what I was doing too. You know, on the weekends, I would, all weekend, it was like I had 12 hour work days during the week and then I was taking this, you know, class and, you know, every writing papers and then uh, all these books. I, I was so excited, you know, the books had come in the mail mm-hmm. and I, I opened, all oh, right, I've got, you know, uh, <laughs> and it was just, it, it was exciting. And, and one of the things was our oldest daughter was going to, uh, college at the time and she'd come home for the weekend and she would warn the other kids. 
don't ask don't ask him any questions <laughs> because you'll never ever get away you know? so this is a question that just came to my mind how old are your children when you're coming back to the faith they're in college the beginnings okay. of college and one is still in high school so their whole lives you've been away yes that's that's a problem mm-hmm. for us yeah. because now our oldest yes he's he's uh uh in the church with uh, his wife Aaron you know and 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 uh but the other two are not. And so there's a lot of ground there that we lost. And there's a lot of regret with that. Mm-hmm. A lot of regret. And there should be more of them. <laughs> but redemption is real. Yes. And now you're back at Lumen Christi. And yes. you're a deacon. Yes. <laughs> you're bringing new life in different ways. Yeah. Which is incredible. But doesn't make up for... No. But. No. Hmm. Do you see your, your, because right now you're teaching uh, theology to high schoolers. Yeah. Do you see this as, is this uh, part of like you exercising spiritual fatherhood in this aspect of sharing the faith with them? And, or is that still, it's mostly in the head and it's not actually touching the whole person yet. It's not really on that level. Or is that not even what you're wanting? Well, I think, I think, uh, there, there's, uh, I've always attempted to, to be personal. I, I, um, you know, uh, as far as like fatherhood or surrogacy, uh, of what I didn't give my children, there might be some of that there, but there, there's, uh, uh, my, my inclination to, to leave the, the industry job that I had and go back there was to, was a burden for the youth mm-hmm. because, the church is not getting younger, it's getting older. I mean, and uh, we need to have, a, you know, the numbers are not good for the youth today. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I said I wanted to do everything possible to uh, to foster youth, uh, the faith in the youth. Because I, I realized what I didn't have when I was young. I said, wouldn't that be great? You know, you got somebody that's that's gone out and done it all wrong, you come back and say, hey, I'm the poster boy for what not to do, you know. <laughs> and here's why. I can tell you from my own experience, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, Marsha has been tremendously supportive. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's been a, a definitely a, a mutual uh, commitment uh, to, to, to do what we're doing, you know. So... <laughs> so. Echoing in my mind is your comment of there should have been more of them. So with that, do you, are there, and and this, you know, now that you're teaching, being the poster boy of what not to do, do you guys have words of wisdom for people that are in a place where, because I'm guessing in the moment you've got three babies, life is kind of crazy. At that time, you're not thinking, you know, I think having more kids is a great idea. What would you say to your younger selves that decided that there wouldn't be more of them. I would say the same thing that I say to every one of my marriage classes I've taught for the past four years. I would say the greatest treasure in life is children and family. The greatest treasure in life is children and, and, and family. And if, if you can live to see your grandchildren and maybe some great-grandchildren, you will have lived a very successful life. The model of success that's been portrayed to to the uh, to our culture, you've got 
5,000 square foot empty homes and subdivisions with brand new cars in the garage with one or two children in the home. And they go on cruises. They have the, all the, the best new clothes, all the, all the things of the world, but they missed it. They missed it. And the tr- tragedy is that, um, the, uh, the Christian faith, and I think it's effect, it definitely affected Catholics as well as the mainstream and the evangelical Protestant streams, is that there's a, this prosperity thing that's not maybe as overt as, uh, some of them, the televangelists and all that, but there still is this ethic of we want comfort, we want convenience, and we want prosperity, and, you know, kids will get in the way of that. Mm-hmm. That's why I say there should be more. Mm. Thank you. Do you have anything to add to that, Marcia? That would be another story. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you can fill in between the lines. Any intelligent Catholic can fill in between the lines without me saying anything. But uh, I will say it's the greatest regret. Thank you for sharing your story with us, guys. It's a real honor. You two are a really beautiful couple together. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Be interested. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we're recording it. We think other people will be interested. <laughs> Shazam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we see it all the time. And like you said, the prosperity mindset, whether that be with friends that are in the secular world or mm-hmm. Catholic or Christian friends. And so I think it's, Stories are powerful, and to know um, what is real success, what is really satisfying when we're, yeah, on as life continues on. Mm-hmm. So, thank you for being vulnerable and being honest. I was just gonna say something that reminded me <clears throat> that if I would have had the Catholic teaching of <clears throat> everything in your life um, has a purpose and a reason, mm-hmm. and that somehow comes across in non-denoms but there's even more there's the fullness of it in the catholic teaching and um because i remember being much more um self-centered in and it could have been my age too when we were in the non-denoms about well what do i get out of this Mm -hmm. and the catholic thrust is what are we giving what are we what are we here for what did god make us for it's not you know what it's not focusing on on me it's focusing on on god and what god has for me and that's just it's it's a little shift in the but it's a big shift Mm. and i think that is played into the um our reason not to have more kids Mm -hmm. you know as far as i didn't i didn't think i was mature i wasn't mature enough i didn't have i it was it was very difficult for me Mm -hmm. so um just the whole Catholic uh, perspective of of suffering and how that is important in bringing us to um, who we are and who God has meant has yeah has who God meant us to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know this is something that Crystal faced more profoundly than I faced because of her particular background. When we started having children, like our first child was totally dependent upon us and most especially upon her and so her whole life was radically reoriented around a new person and that was very unsettling Mm -hmm. it was unsettling for me too Mm -hmm. um i think 
if we didn't know, at least intellectually, that that was for our good, that it would have been so easy to say, you know. Forget about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. What um, an intrusion. Yeah. And right. I, I tell <laughs> new moms often how challenging that time was for me and how much I thought, what were we thinking? Who thinks this is a good idea? But that it, it is a good idea because it transforms your heart. Yeah. And I was able to move yeah. past that. Some days, sometimes I'm still oh, working that out. I'm sure that'll oh, be a yeah. lifetime journey. We heard, um, well, I heard it and then I repeated it to you. So it's as if you were there. Another couple, um, they also have a smattering of young kids whenever things are getting difficult or uh, really frantic, one of them looks at the other one and says, remember, these are the good old days. And uh, Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. Whenever yeah. we look back, Those are you the good don't old know days. what you have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You do, but you don't. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank the Lord for grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, grandkids are a long time away. I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> they seem a lot easier than kids. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. Such formation that those kids give to us. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's the interesting thing, uh, because you'd mentioned before we started recording that you teaching at Lumen, uh, you're not sure how much formation the kids are necessarily receiving, but that you are being better formed Mm -hmm. for going through all the materials with them and preparing for it and talking about it and um, fostering discussion with them. Like how, how much more true is it that parenting is formative for us? If we let it be. If we let it be. Like our kids, sort of like a roll the dice, see what comes out. I don't really know how our kids are going to turn out, but but we can become better through that. Mm-hmm. That's another interesting thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Like how everything is formative. They're, they're in, it was what, like four or five years ago at Focus Summer Training for the missionaries where they started saying the expression, everything is formative. Mm-hmm. So going to breakfast is formative. Um, having kids is formative. Commuting is formative. Everything can form our habits, our passions, our, our thoughts. That uh-huh. sounds like five more podcasts. <laughs> yes. I, I, I opened up a can of worms or two. <laughs> I let them explode and wiggle around. And I set them on the table and so we can watch them dance. We don't have to do anything with them. Right. But there are cans of worms. You want to... Pray us out on this one, and we can come oh, back another day to an ending. <laughs> for the rest of those worms. We need to we need to practice how to how to finish things, don't we? In the name of the, the Father and of the Son and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you so much for the gift of uh, Dave and Marcia Edders. We thank you so much for their company tonight. Um, we thank you for their story and everything that brought them here, knowing that all of it has been used to form them, um, and that it's going to continue to be used to form them into the saints you desire them to be. Mm -hmm. Um, We thank you for the time with them. We ask that their story might impact us, um, that we might live more in the light of your love and mercy, 
because of knowing their story and your part in them. Uh, we pray for uh, their family. We pray for their friends. Um, we pray, too, for anyone who might happen upon this podcast and listen to it. We ask all these, th- all these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and the Son, Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Take my hand and let's be on our way. And now, finally, I can say that I love you. Yes, I From our outpost to yours, thanks for listening. And a special thanks to John Mark Skoke. That's S K O C H. For the music. Check him out on Spotify. <laughs>